And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you've made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. Matthew chapter 20, verses 11 and 12. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please proceed. Uh, There are three details in this parable which I think we should attend to this morning. Uh, The first is simply the necessity of working in the vineyard. As simple as that sounds, I I think it's um, one of the serious confusions of our time to think that eternal salvation is gained by thinking alone. Uh, To be absolutely clear, salvation is received only by faith alone, but we sort of equate as synonyms faith and just thinking. But faith is, faith is Christian action. Our actions are what reveal to us what faith uh, we do or don't have. I, I think sort of thinking kind of um, with a Christian anthropology, we, I think it's this mistake. We, we, we're not able to just look into our, soul, into our souls and say, oh yes, you know, I see that I have faith here. Like, we're, we're a bit opaque to ourselves. Uh, on the contrary, what the scriptures, especially the book of James, is really clear on this point, um, is that we can only examine what's sort of in the deep recesses of our souls by, by looking at our works. That our works are what show us. They are, they are what manifest what really lies hidden within. So if you want to know, you know, sort of, you know, like a, almost a self-exam, like how much faith do I have? Uh, we, you don't, we don't do well to look for feelings or trying to look just with our minds into our own selves. It's best to examine our outward lives and our works. So rather than asking like just how much faith do I have, rephrase the question, how many of the things uh, that you did this week did you do because God told you to do them? Whether it's at home or at work, in private or with others, how many of those things did you offer to God as a, as a gift and a sacrifice in prayer? How many acts of forgiveness or mercy or kindness or provision or any act of charity uh, have you sought to do in the week? How much have we sought to pray for others? When we frame, reframe the question of what, what, how much faith do we have like that, it, it becomes a lot more serious. And I don't know about you, but... When I think about, like, well, how much faith do I have? I sort of, you know, prove of myself a little too highly. Like, oh, yes, I have quite a lot of faith. And when you start rephrasing the question practically, well, what works are demonstrating that faith? It becomes, a, you know, a bit more, oh, well, there's a, a lot of room for improvement when I look at the hours of my day. I think um, the parable of the workers, there are a handful of different way, ways that this parable can be interpreted. It's of the nature of parables, right? That... They are intentionally these stories to sort of open up to Christian truth, and there are sometimes several Christian truths. But I think one of the truths within it is that, sort of within the very structure, is that to be a part of the kingdom of God means to work, to work in the vineyard, to do deeds. And here I want to be really clear. Um, deeds can be outward, with like, so like a camera could record them, they could be done in the body, but Christian deeds are also inward. Often, I'd even say the the vast majority of Christian work in the kingdom, a camera would never record. It's invisible. It's in the realm of the heart and the soul. And I think um, this is an important side note uh, because 
there's a danger to take the Christian call and to try and translate it into like just more frenetic activity, just doing more things, which is of course not what the Lord calls us to, uh, famously in the instance of Mary and Martha, right? The one just doing stuff did not choose the better path. It's the one who sat at the feet of Jesus who chose the better way. So the, the inward work of the kingdom, I mean, it's a thousand things, but just thinking about what we've been uh, hearing from the Gospels and I've been preaching on lately, you know, it's the work of seeking God's help to not grumble in the midst of life's difficulties, trying to pray, uh, seeking to forgive, fighting temptation. That's the inner work of the kingdom. So that is kingdom work. A camera doesn't have to record it for it to be real. It's, um, it's part of this uh, mistake of thinking that it always looks outward is why I think it's so important at Good Shepherd that we cultivate uh, life-giving patterns of prayer uh, because it's the patterns of prayer which facilitate the inward work of the kingdom. So, so having said that, let me go back to the parable again. Um, one of the ideas, sort of built-in points of the parable is that it's important that we are working, working, doing labor, in the kingdom. I think the folk in the parable who sort of weren't hired till later in the day but were sort of dawdling around the marketplace, um, they, they're sort of like the Christians who it's really up here and there's not very much manifesting in outward life. They might know a lot about vineyards and about landowners and how, it all, how you know, viniculture works, but they're not actually working. When the master comes around and says, I need you to do something, they are conveniently absent. I think, really, if there is no Christian labor, it really does raise the question, is there any Christian faith? And I think what we see then in this parable um, is that that God's grace and our effort, they're not mutually exclusive categories. Because it's a grace to be called into the vineyard. Like, if you're a laborer, you need work. It is a gift for a landowner to come and say, come into my vineyard, come get your own sustenance, come have good work to do. We don't hire ourselves. God calls us. He invites us of his own goodness to step into his domain, his vineyard. And that is one of his many graces, his gifts to us, which we, to which we respond with our labor, with our sincere effort. So while this is one of the parables of reward, um, we are rewarded for heeding the call, but that's not the same as earning your salvation. Does that, do you see how they're different? That it's not sort of the mistake is to think, and this is actually sort of the mistake of the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son, to think that we somehow have deserved what we've gotten. No, we didn't deserve anything. Um, we've just heeded the call. Jesus elsewhere in the Gospel of Luke would say, you know, when, when all is done, the true Christian response is, Lord, we've just done our duty. We're just servants. This is just what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be working in the vineyard. We're workers. And that's the true uh, sort of spirit that this parable is putting forward. And um, the gift, the one in the parable is the recompense that this parable puts forward, uh, is salvation. And so it's the, the second detail of the parable I want to look at, look at um, is the equality of the reward. That it doesn't matter how much or how little work you do in the kingdom, the littlest bit gets rewarded. And not just rewarded sort of uh, in comparison with how little it is, but rewarded the same as everybody else. So which means that even if your faith has not manifested in very many works, even if you don't really start taking faith seriously until the 11th hour of life, 
the Lord is still lavish in saying, receive full eternal salvation. And in that we see uh, really the shape of God's character, right? That it's not this penny-pinching, judicious kind of human math, uh, equal pay for equal work. Um, but in the same way that he, he disappointed Jonah, as we heard in the Old Testament lesson, with being too merciful but for, by human calculation, Jesus is always offering full and free salvation to anyone who would do even the littlest bit of work in the kingdom of God. And uh, that's fantastic news if you're the thief on the cross, right? Which gives us enormous hope for our own selves, and it also gives us hope for um, anyone who we love who does not seem to be manifesting any of the works of faith. That as long as there's breath in their lungs... Uh, God may yet still spur them on and call them into his vineyard. Such a, a lavish recompense, such a generosity of God, it's good news to the thief on the cross. It can be a sore spot. Uh, it can sound like it's unfair if you are one of those who's been faithful to God for a long time, laboring in the vineyard for a long time. I think, as I just was saying about the, parable, the older brother and the prodigal son story, there's a danger of sort of the danger of long Christian faithfulness is you might start to accidentally slip into thinking, ah, yes, I have earned my salvation now. And I think that's part of the presumptuousness which gets the first laborers in trouble in the parable. We need to fight against that by keeping our eyes fixed on our master in the first place and the prize that he's promised us. Not, to look at him, not looking aside at what others are being rewarded for or what they're doing with their faith. And I think hey, this is sort of the third and final point of the parable, which I think we can take home with us this morning, uh, is the mistake of comparison with other Christians. You know, we often think about um, the command to not judge as sort of like, don't judge uh, you know, worldly folk for their sins. That's true, but it's also for within the church. Uh, it's a very vicious and uh, troubling and, and wicked game in the end to try and be comparing like, well, how serious am I compared to this person or what kind of a Christian is that person in the church? You know, these sort of petty sort of evaluations of, uh, of each other's Christian walk um, are no good and that's what this parable is pointing out. They're no good on several levels. Uh, in the first place, remembering that most of the work of the kingdom is invisible. We just don't know what each other are doing in the kingdom. Only God really sees how much even pious efforts, even the work of a priest, may just be works done by the flesh and not given to God in prayer. Nothing outward can be judged for certain in God's economy. It's a, a big problem to be looking around and looking uh, at others. Uh, instead, we need to recognize what God has promised us in each individually, right? Free forgiveness of sins, as we were talking about in catechism class this morning. The judgment of not guilty, anything wicked that you've done that would have merited eternal damnation, has been forgiven, free. Uh, and not only do we have life after death, but resurrected life beyond that, right? Forever. Which, when you sort of do the math, I, I love, um, there's that prophecy in Isaiah, where it says, you know, come let us reason together. I will take all of your sins and wash them white as snow. Like, oh, that's exceedingly reasonable, right? It's a very good deal for us. It's a great mercy. So I think part of what we, is a good uh, lesson from this parable is 
to not be thinking about how the gospel works for somebody else somewhere else, but how it works for us. To just stay focused on what God has promised us and really laying claim to it. This is an offer of salvation that I need to seize for my own soul's sake. God can have mercy on everyone else whom he wants to have mercy. So that means the person who claims Christianity but who we just can't stand, <laughs> to, not, to, to let go of that person in your mind. What is it to you if God saves that person too? Or even sort of the worst enemy you can imagine. Even you know, if there was some preaching rally by some preacher in, uh, in the Middle East and, and half of ISIS got saved. Great! Like, there's free forgiveness for all. That is the gospel. We don't need to hold on to sort of, our, again, our, our petty human scales. The Lord can have mercy on whomever he wants to have mercy. That's sort of part even built into the story of Jonah. Nineveh was the capital city of the nation that would enslave, crush, and oppress Israel. Like, they were political enemy number one uh, on the horizon. And yet God showed his mercy to them. I think... Um, Especially to you know, uh, we're always inclined, like in light of God's how God sees us, to evaluate ourselves too highly. <laughs> Me too. I'm speaking to myself. You know, if we ever start thinking, well, you know, I've borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. You know, we only need to look a little bit at the saints uh, of ages past. And this is why I love All Saints Day, which is going to be coming up in a few weeks. Because when you look at their lives, you realize, oh man, I've done like nothing for the kingdom in comparison to what you know, Saint Paul. Like he, he could say that he suffered the heat of the day, right? With all of his beatings and imprisonments and calamities for the gospel. Uh, or or St. John of the Cross, who didn't suffer outwardly very much, but inwardly just had a huge, dark, spiritual struggle of a life. Um, they, might look, they might be tempted to look at us, sort of lower down the rung, and be uh, bitter about how much we have been given for free. We can't kind of try and peer down to the very tail end of the spectrum, or whatever that would be. Uh, and make our judgments. So, um, all of these three points sort of come around to, very simply, just another weekly reminder of the gospel, that that everything from God is grace. Everything is done from him, before we ever had a chance to think about it even, uh, that it's all a gift. That, That nobody ever deserves their salvation. So not the worst person you know, not you, not me, uh, and not even the greatest saints in the church. St. Saint Paul, St. Saint John of the Cross did nothing to deserve their salvation. They too were just recipients of the grace of God, laboring in the vineyard uh, as God called them to do. Um, so let's, uh, let's never compare sort of Christian, Christian life versus Christian life, and let's just simply attend to our own work that God has called us to do in his vineyard. Amen. <laughs>